for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. This is Jake Kokorowski. We got John McNamara. We got intro music now, John, uh, as part of Overtime Media. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. A uh, nice little thing we put together. Big thanks to Justin Hall for helping us uh, put that together. And we are just days away from fall camp starting. John and I will be at Wisconsin Local Media Day on Wednesday, representing BadgerBlitz.com and the Rivals Network. And John, I mean, the anticipation is going to be over. You and I are, Grant, we've been busy doing recruiting the past two months, especially. I mean, you're, you, it's, your recruiting is year-round for you, so I, I hope you get a vacation at some point, and hopefully I can help you out with that. But, I mean, now we're really getting into the season. Fall camp starts. We're going to get even busier than we have been. Yeah, you know, once fall camp starts, it it gets it gets real busy. Um, obviously, you know, the day the day stuff with fall camp, and I think we have eight open practices, which you know are, are a great opportunity for us. And then recruiting as well. Um, you know, we talked to a defensive end from Ohio the other day, and um, it just kind of brings up that the next wave of official visits will start for Wisconsin. Uh, you know, when the first you know home game hits uh, in in early September, so. Uh, you know, they got a lot taken care of this summer, you know, particularly in the month of June with the official visits. But, you know, the next wave will start right away uh, in about a month or so. Um, so you, Wisconsin's looking to finish up their their 2020 class. I would imagine they go into, you know, the month of September with 13 commitments. Um, and then, you know, they're trying to put those last couple of pieces together for 2020. And, um, you know, obviously then, you know, you're, you're building on the 2021 and even 2022 classes with the guys that they'll get on campus for unofficial visits. So yeah, it, uh, like you said, Jake recruiting goes, you know, 365 days a year. And, uh, we're, we're definitely excited for, you know, I guess the next wave of, of news that will be coming out from Wisconsin. Absolutely. And you know what, maybe towards the end of the show, we're going to talk by the way, some offensive defensive line previews, get into the big men that are in the trenches, so to speak for football. But, you know, we'll also take, maybe, maybe we'll talk about the Aaron Witt offer just a little later before we wrap up the show. But first off, let's talk about the offensive line. We'll get, we're working through, we're, I think we got three more position previews. We have offensive line, defensive line, I think later this week we'll finish up with specialists. Uh, we, we will have to talk about specialists in the return games respectively there. And uh, we'll give our thoughts on those positions coming up. But like I said, let's start with offensive line, Wisconsin. I mean, everyone knows this. They lose technically four regular returning starters on that offensive line. Three are in the NFL, Michael Dieter, Bo Benchwell, David Edwards. But then you also have John Deetson who retired from the game and during the spring, Tyler Biotish, the returning starter, center, All-American candidate. You've seen him on a couple of watch lists already. He was out. And then also Cole Van Lannen, the projected left tackle, who actually, I, I don't have the stats here, but felt like he got more action at times than Dietzen at left tackle in 2018. So I, re, I refer to him as a starter, really. They return, but then... Logan Bruss got some time last year at right tackle. The last three games of the year 
for an injured David Edwards, who's now with the Los Angeles Rams. So there's a lot of pieces. I mean, I think the interior line is going to be the biggest question mark here, but we're going to talk. Uh, we'll get to that question in just a little bit. But first off, let's talk about the man in the middle, Tyler Biotish, Redshirt Jr. We mentioned the watch list just a couple of seconds ago. In your opinion, John, and I think it's going to be huge, but what is what does his presence mean at center for the offensive line? I, you know, I think it's huge, especially you talked about Wisconsin losing four starters and, you know, Beata certainly had a chance to leave as well uh, for the NFL. Uh, he opted to come back for his redshirt junior season. Um, so, you know, he, he could be a guy that, you know, you're talking about an NFL roster right now and, you know, having him back in the middle uh, as, you know, I guess the leader of this year's group is huge for Wisconsin. He represented the Badgers down in Chicago at Big Ten Media Days. And, uh, you know, he's, he's very much the leader of this group right now, which is, you know, kind of crazy to think because I remember watching him uh, at Amherst High School uh, not too long ago and also at Wisconsin's camp where he earned an offer. And, um, you know, he certainly wasn't a heavily recruited guy, but, um, you know, someone that they brought in as a defensive tackle and he moved to offensive line that, that move certainly uh, paid off huge for Wisconsin. You know, he's a potential All-American this year. So um, it's, it's huge for this group. Uh, to have someone in the middle, you know, being the leader of this offensive line and, you know, a lot of bringing that game experience back, uh, I think is big for this group. So, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely a position that I don't think Joe Rudolph is going to have to worry about uh, inside at center with Tyler Biotish back. Right. Barring injury or any unforeseen circumstance there. Obviously I think Jason Erdman could always take over at center uh, and not necessarily miss a beat, but I don't know. It's it's hard to replace a potential All-American like Biotish there. I guess going back then, what I, I mentioned it earlier, I think left tackle and right tackle are locked down with Van Lannan and Bruss respectively, though Bruss did get some work on the inside at right guard before his left thumb injury during the spring. But, I mean, I think the biggest question marks on the line are who locked down the guard spots there's four guys, David Mormon, Caden Lyles, Jason Erdman, Josh, Josh Seltzner. Do you agree with me there? Do, do you feel the biggest question mark on the line is on the interior? Yeah, definitely. And I think you could maybe even limit it down a bit more because I think Caden Lyles is going to start at right guard. Uh, you know, the staff is super high on him. And, you know, Jake, you had a chance to talk to Joe Rudolph in the spring. He talked about Lyles knocking some rust off and, you know, that's certainly expected after playing on the defensive line last year. So yep. I, I think you're going to see him be a lot more comfortable this fall. And like I said, the staff is is really high on him. Uh, they, they think he has a super high ceiling as an interior lineman. I think he maybe projects best at center, uh, you know, in terms of his future at Wisconsin and, and potentially the NFL. So I think, you know, not to look too far ahead, but I think, you know, if Biotish, like we expect him to do, uh, declares early for the NFL draft after this year. You'll see uh, Lyles bump inside this following year. But obviously, you know, the 2019 season is what's ahead of us right now. And um, I think he'll start at right guard. And then, you know, you look at then left, left, ta- or I'm sorry, left guard. Uh, Seltzner's in the mix. David Mormon's a guy that Rudolph pointed out had a really good spring. Um, and then Jason Ehrman as well, a guy that can play, you know, all three of those interior line positions. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out at that left guard spot. I wouldn't be surprised if it was any one of those three that we mentioned there. I think Wisconsin might be best uh, with Erdman as a backup, you know, maybe a backup to all three spots. So if you look at a guy like maybe Seltzner 
or even David Mormon. Um, I think they have three really good options, though, for left guard. In your opinion, who are the projected five starters on the line? In your opinion, I'll let you go first. I'll have mine after that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, four of the five are pretty straightforward. Cole Van Landen at left tackle. Um, and like you talked about, Jake, you know, he grades out really well. If you look back at the pro football focus stuff that we've done uh, in, in the snaps that he had last year, you know, obviously John Dietzen was, like, you could call him the starter at left left tackle, but, you know, Van Landen got a lot of reps there and he did very well. Um, I, you know, I'm really excited to see what he can do as a full-time starter there at left tackle, which is obviously kind of the glamour position in the offensive line. And I think that, uh, you know, Cole Van Landen is going to be the next, you know, potentially great offensive lineman for the Badgers. Uh, the left guard spot, again, I think is, is the one that's up in the air. Uh, my pick is Josh Seltzner, uh, former walk-on. And, you know, you don't earn a scholarship so early in your career if the staff doesn't think very highly of you. Um, I think he's the guy who emerges at left guard. I don't have any inside information on that, but that's that's my pick at left guard. Obviously, Biotish in the middle at center, Lyles at right guard, and Logan Brust at uh, at right tackle. I think, you know, going a little bit further, I think there's going to be eight guys, if everyone's healthy, that Joe Rudolph probably feels good about playing this year. Um, you know, the five that I mentioned, along with Erdman, David Mormon, and probably Tyler Beach at uh, maybe the backup to both tackle spots this year as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, my opinion, I, I mean, you have Van Lannan. I think Lyles may be a left guard. I think it's, you could flip-flop those guys. I, I'm putting Ermit, Erdman as a starter at right guard. I think it's his – maybe they might have him first just because he's uh, he's a redshirt senior. I think maybe they give him a shot first, but and we'll see how fall camp lines up. I, I thought he could rely, run, uh, line up at right guard. And then Lyles, I saw a lot of time with him at left guard this spring, so that's why I'm kind of leaning towards Lyles on the left side of the line. But you have Biotish. Uh, and then right tackle, I think it's Bruss. Uh, and then, you know, I, I don't think they could go wrong with, you mentioned it before. I don't think Mormon's a bad choice. And Joe Rudolph mentioned during the spring, uh, midway through that Mormon was having the best spring out of all the linemen at that time. And I think the redshirt senior knows it's his final year. I think he'll push the group. And honestly, with depth at tight end, and I, th I think you and I have talked about this here and there where that depth at the tight end position, Jake Ferguson, Luke Benchwell, they were both injured at time. I mean, Benchwell didn't practice at all during the spring and rehabbing an injury. Ferguson dealt with, you know, an injury towards the end of camp that kept them out. If there are injuries that hit, what can Gabe Lloyd do? What can Coy Wainer do? What can Jack Eschenbach do? Really? Maybe we see the return of, the jumbo package version 2.0 and you know, whoever doesn't win those positions on the interior line, like a Mormon or maybe a Seltzner, even a, obviously on tackle, they like using the tackle with Bruss last year when Edwards was healthy. Maybe it's a Tyler beach. Like, uh, like you talked to me uh, before we started recording stuff like that. It's going to be really interesting. And I'm um, obviously they're going to need those players. You know, I guess one thing too, before we get to our final question, Paul Chris mentioned Logan Brown being limited to start the camp uh, along with Dean Ingram, James Williams, who are cornerbacks, but he mentioned Logan Brown possibly may not, may not be fully ready uh, to start fall camp when he talked to us during big 10 media days. If he's able to get back, how hard is it to project 
him making an impact, being obviously one of the highest rated offensive linemen in the class of 2019, John, just do you feel that he could have that opportunity that he's got the skill set from what you've seen on film to possibly make that jump early like Biotish did a few years back? Yeah, I think he certainly has an opportunity and we don't know the extent of, you know, why he's going to be limited or, or what the injury might be. So, um, you know, that could be something that is day to day or it could be something that lingers on throughout the fall. So, I mean, I guess if, if you assume that he was 100% going into fall camp, um, you know, I, I think he could certainly crack the two deep, maybe at right tackle, um, you know, be behind Logan Bruss and, you know, have Tyler Beach back up, Cole Van Landen at left tackle. Uh, but, you know, he's certainly, uh, you know, one of the more talented guys Wisconsin's brought in the last handful of years on the offensive line. I think when you look at Logan Bruss, and I'm certainly not an expert here, but uh, technique is something that I think he needs to work on. If you look at his high school tape, you know, obviously being 6'6 and, you know, 290 pounds and, and a really athletic kid, he just he just kind of does what he wants. And if he gets a hold of you, he's going to get you into the ground. But um, I think he's going to have to work on a lot of the technique at Wisconsin. You know, that's that's true for you know, all the freshmen that have come in. Um, but, you know, his 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 body's there, you know, physically. Um, I think that, you know, maybe not ready to compete, but I think he's he's pretty close. Uh, so I think that, you know, if you assume that he was 100%, he would have an opportunity to crack the two deep. Um, but with this injury, you just don't know, uh, you know, where he's at right now. So maybe a guy like Aaron Volpel, uh, former defensive end, you know, maybe he finds himself in the two deep. But I think more re- realistically, uh, Tyler Beach probably backs up both those tackle spots. And then last question before we head to the defensive line. And it, Joe Rudolph was asked this during f- spring ball in mid-April again when he had we talked to reporters. My question to you, do you feel that this, if this offensive line group, where it's at, can this group get back to the 2018 form that had the three All-Americans on it and obviously was one of the best lines in terms of the run game and propelling the offense with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I think this line is going to be better than people think it's going to be. And, you know, obviously with the, with the national guys who write about Wisconsin, they'll see on paper that they lost four starters and, you know, they'll say that the line will be a little bit down this year. But again, you know, we talked about Van Lannan. I, I think he's essentially a starter, a returning starter for you, you know, Biotis in the middle as a potential all American, um, you know, Logan Bruss, I saw valuable time towards the end of last season. And then Caden Lyles, and then whoever starts at the other guard spot, you know, those guys have a big challenge ahead of them. So, um, you know, I don't know if if I'm ready to say that this group will be what 2018 was because, you know, they had a lot of guys who played a lot of snaps at Wisconsin. They're just not going to have that, you know, amount of experience returning. But I think in terms of production, this line can be awfully good. And a guy like Jonathan Taylor can maybe clean up a few of the, the you know, missteps that you may have or, or blown assignments you may have because, you know, he's he's the best back in college football coming back. So I think he'll make that offensive line look even better. Transitioning over to the defensive line before we take a break, let's, let's talk about the defensive line. Obviously, 2018, quick review, not necessarily great in terms of depth. You had a player like Caden Lyles selflessly give up time learning how to play offensive line to go over to the defensive line and – he made an impact there, played in 12 games, started some. And then you, that was because of injuries to Garrett Rand, who was out because of a leg injury. And he found his way back into a very limited fashion during the spring. But then Isaiah Loudermilk, too, where he was injured to begin part of 2018. And then, you know, 
And then it will be very interesting to see just how this line develops now with if there's a little bit more depth. But before anything else, what does a health, healthy Garrett Rand and Isaiah Loudermilk mean to this defensive line in 2019? Well, yeah, I think it's huge. And obviously they're, they're your two projected starters there. And, you know, a guy like Laudermilk, they're just not too many guys like him on the planet, you know, six foot six, six foot seven, 300 pounds, uh, you know, really good athlete. And if he can stay healthy, I think he's, he's got, you know, maybe close to all big 10 caliber, uh, all big 10 potential uh, for his, his season coming up here. And then Garrett Rand, you know, we saw him as a true freshman. We saw him as a sophomore and then he missed all of 2018 with an injury. So, I think he's more comfortable at end. So, you know, I think a lot of people are excited to see what he can do there at probably, you know, his position of preference as well. Uh, but again, you know, will he be slowed by an injury? I know that Paul Chris said that, you know, all the guys were good to go for fall camp. Um, I wonder if they ease him back in uh, or I guess continue to ease him in like they did in the spring. Uh, but, you know, if those two are healthy, that's huge. Uh, if only for the depth, you know, because they had, I'd say, close to zero depth last year. Um, you know, that allows Matt Henningsen to become part of the two deep David Pfaff, uh, maybe a guy that you bump inside this year out of necessity. Uh, and then some of the younger guys, Isaiah Mullins, uh, CJ Getz, uh, you know, a few other guys are, are in the mix as well. So if anything, I think it helps depths, but you know, those are, those are two of the more talented guys on, on that defense as a whole. So getting them back is, is going to be huge for Wisconsin this year. If they, if those guys can stay healthy. Right. And I think, you lead right into that. My next question with that, you had Henningsen who Paul Chris mentioned during big 10 media days that he liked what Henningsen was doing. Henningsen was doing, but then also, I guess in your opinion, yeah. Who steps up behind Rand and louder milk? Like if you could project out who would be the ones that you would want to see stepping up at, at the end positions behind Rand and louder milk. You know, it it starts with Henningsen. Um, I think he's going to be that next guy in line, and um, I certainly think that you'll see him play a, a lot of snaps this fall. Uh, but, you know, I look to a guy like Isaiah Mullins, who, you know, they were really high on coming out of high school. And, you know, the talk last year was maybe he was a guy that wasn't going to redshirt. Uh, maybe he was a guy that was going to play right away. So, you know, this is going to be a big fall for him uh, coming off his redshirt season. And, you know, maybe he's a guy that contributes – uh, a handful of snaps this year as needed. Um, you know, Boyd Dietzen is another guy in that mix, CJ Getz. Uh, and then we talked about David Pfaff. Um, you know, going back to Big Ten Media Days, it sounded like, you know, I think Paul Chris compared, you know, what you might do inside with what Joe Rudolph does on the offensive line where you're shuffling a lot of guys there. Um, you know, if you look at the current defensive ends, the only guy that really makes sense to bump inside would be Pfaff. Um, you know, six two, about two hundred eighty five pounds. Uh, you know, maybe he can slide inside for a few snaps there. It doesn't sound like Gunnar Robridge is is a guy that they're going to count on this year. You know, he was the only other nose tackle on that roster, uh, on that spring roster. But you know, maybe a guy like Gio Paez comes in and plays. Um, you know, I know that when you talked to him, Jake, he he thought he was going to play that four eye technique or that defensive end, but. You know, he's a guy that maybe can bump inside as well if you need a few snaps this year behind Bryson Williams. Uh, you know, Pies reminds me a lot of Connor Sheehy, um, you know, a guy that you can play inside, a guy that you can play outside. Um, so, it, you know, it'll be interesting if someone from that that 2019 class, like Pies or Rodas Johnson or Keanu Benton, uh, gives you some snaps as well this fall. 
And going to that nose tackle position, I guess for Bryson Williams, sophomore, you saw some pictures of him already when it's talking about uh, summer conditioning and, and you see the hype photos or hype videos sometimes from Wisconsin. And one of the, you know, I think one, at least one of the photos was of Bryson Williams. Bryson Williams had to step in, step up as the first team nose tackle for the last part of 2018, but he's entering his second season. John, what should be the expectations for him as a sophomore? Um, you know, it's a good question. It, it, I think that he's, He's going to have a lot on his shoulders this year as the, you know, starting nose guard with not a whole lot of depth behind him. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how Jim Leonard, uh, you know, what fronts did he use? You know, what schemes does he use uh, to address that depth? You know, you saw a lot of uh, a lot of defenses last year with just two down linemen. And, you know, will uh, Jim Leonard do that more of that this year with, you know, what he has up front? You know, will you see a lot of maybe just Laudermilk and, and Rand as, as a, those two down linemen? So um, in terms of what you expect from Williams, um, I think that they're going to need him to take a big jump. Uh, and he was thrown into the fire last year. I thought he held his own as a true freshman, and you would expect him to take another big jump in his development. Um, you know, that, that nose tackle position is kind of a thankless position. Uh, you know, you take on two or three blockers uh, on just about every play that you're in there, and you hope the linebackers make plays because of – of the blockers that you occupied. So um, you would expect him to take another big jump. Um, I don't really know what you would say in, in terms of tackles or sacks or stuff like that, but to be that clog in the middle, I think will be big for Wisconsin. But again, uh, Jim Leonard has shown that he has options outside of that in, in the looks that he gives and the schemes that he gives and the fronts that he gives uh, that might just, you know, he might try to do what he has in terms of what his best personnel is, try to scheme that on the field. And then last question, you already brought up possibly who could move inside at, for nose tackle. If something happens to Williams, how much of it is it a concern to you in terms of having a backup nose tackle with just how much teams go into 11 personnel or three wide receivers, four wide receivers for that matter. And Wisconsin may need to go to a two, four, five, sub package, a dime sub package, possibly how much where maybe a nose tackle isn't needed. And they have two interior defensive linemen that maybe Rand or and louder milk or, or louder milk and Henningsen who I saw, I've thought during the spring, but how much of it is it a concern where there's still a huge question mark as to who's going to back up Williams? Yeah, I, I think it, it is a concern. I think you'd like at least two guys you feel good about. But again, like you, like we talked about, I don't know that it's the end of the world if if you only have Bryson Williams inside because you know Wisconsin's going to face a lot of teams uh, that you know, like you talked about, Jake, where you, you might be in nickel a lot. You might only need two defensive linemen at, at certain packages and stuff like that. So um, I think they they certainly like more depth there, but it, I don't think it's the biggest glaring issue on that defense right now, folks. We're going to wrap up our position previews heading into fall camp on another podcast coming up later this week. We'll get to the specialists. We'll talk the return games and how much they need to improve to help Wisconsin. Cause as Paul Chris mentioned, they're going to need all three phases this year to win, especially with that schedule they got going on. We're going to take a break. Come right back folks. This is the badgerblitz.com podcast powered by overtime media. We are back here on 
the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, brought to you by and powered by Overtime Media. And I am Jake Kukorowski, John McNamara here, winding down this episode. And some quick hitters in terms of just news that's happened in the past few days since our last podcast. The first one, of course, outside linebacker Griffin Grady. We confirmed this on Rivals.com just uh, what earlier today, John, with the UW official Griffin Grady no longer on the team. UW is trying to apply or in the process of applying for a medical non-counter scholarship for Grady, who was moved to outside linebacker from the inside for the spring. First off, best wishes to Grady, uh, to Griffin uh, for his you know going forward next in his endeavor, especially at UW uh, and in the future. Um, in your opinion, how much does this affect the outside linebacker depth, though, from a football perspective, where I don't know if I saw him necessarily stepping up during spring as he was adjusting to the position. Uh, you know, I saw a lot more Noah Burks, Isaiah Green May, and others. I saw a little bit of Griffin Grady, but I'm wondering this, how much does it mean for him to be gone with the outside linebacker depth? And does that with the offer, uh, the new offer for Aaron Witt, is that are those somehow related in your opinion? Yeah, I'll start by t- tackling the first part of that. I don't, I don't think it does much to the depth. To be honest with you, um, you know, obviously Griffin Grady played uh, his first, uh, I guess, first what three seasons. Uh, played as a true freshman, and then had to redshirt the following year. So he played inside uh, to start with. And when he moved over to outside linebacker, um, not that I thought that was going to be the end of his career, but. Um, I, I didn't think that they were moving him with the purpose of saying, you know, hey, we really like this guy at outside linebacker. We're going to think that he's going to play, you know, a lot of snaps for us uh, this upcoming fall. I think that, you know, they they tried to find a new home for him based on you know, how his body was progressing. And, you know, he always was around that six foot two and like, you know, 215 pound, 220 pound range. He just seemed to have trouble gaining and retaining the weight and I don't know what the issue was there or I don't want to speculate anything with that and we don't know if he left for injury reasons or personal reasons whatever it may be um, but he just didn't seem like he could put the weight on and keep it on you know in terms of being able to play middle linebacker in the Big Ten uh, so I think that you saw you know this was maybe the, the move that was going to lead to him stepping away from the team the the position switch so Again, I don't think that it hurts the depth all that much because he wasn't a guy that I think the coaching staff was counting on uh, this season. You know, you, you talked about you know Noah Burks and obviously Zach Bond and then Christian Bell and Tyler Johnson and Jalen Franklin and Isaiah Green May and maybe even Spencer Lytle, uh, the true freshman, uh, are the guys that they're looking at at outside linebacker this year. So, um, you know, in terms of the depth on the current roster, I don't think it it really affects it all that much. But like you talked about, Jake, you know, it could affect recruiting. And I think that, you know, the combination of Skylar Myers uh, leaving this summer, going in the transfer portal, and then Griffin Grady has opened up maybe a new scholarship in the 2020 class. And uh, that has likely gone out to Aaron Witt, who was offered a day or two ago. I'm getting my days mixed up. Uh, he's the kid from Minnesota, uh, currently committed to Iowa. He camped with the Badgers this summer, and I confirmed with him that the offer that was put out was was to play outside linebacker, and that's the position he worked at uh, while on campus uh, with with Bobby April. Uh, I think he, you know, his Rivals.com profile says defensive end, and that's where I, I expect him to play at Iowa. 
should he sign there. But Wisconsin likes that at outside linebacker. Uh, they, they saw him at camp, which is a good sign, getting that in-person evaluation. And I would imagine that you see him wind up on campus at some point for an official visit this fall. Wrapping up on the basketball side of things, another 2020 offer when it comes for basketball, a small forward from San Diego area, Brandon Angel, three-star player, 19 offers. Three of them come from the Pac-12, California, Stanford, and Washington State. How surprised are you by this offer that went out the, uh, in just a few days ago? And what do you think it means for this 2020 class that Wisconsin's trying to continue to build? Um, you know, Brandon Angel's a name that wasn't someone that, you know, we went into the live period uh, knowing about, you know, or having a connection to Wisconsin. Uh, this is someone that Greg Gard was able to see uh, in the month of July, I think on two occasions. And obviously he liked what he saw and he, he offered him yesterday. And uh, I think the bigger thing, though, is that it really looks like Wisconsin wants to take five kids in this 2020 class. Uh, you know, obviously they have uh, commitments from the Davis brothers from the Cross Central and Lauren Bowman uh, from the state of Michigan. And those guys, you know, project as as uh, as backcourt guys. And I think that right now they want to take two more guys uh, for the front court. And I think they feel really good about where they're at with Stephen Crowell, uh, the, the center from uh, Minnesota. Uh, I think that Wisconsin feels really, like I said, really good about where they sit with him right now after offering. And then, you know, this offer to Angel would indicate that they're looking for another guy in this 2020 class. And uh, I guess the the thing that you want to look at then is the scholarship distribution chart, which we have up right now on the site. And, you know, on paper, Wisconsin has room for four in the 2020 class, but the way that they're recruiting, uh, it looks like they want to take five. So it'll be interesting to see how those numbers shake out, uh, you know, in the next month or two. Uh, maybe we get some news from someone on the current roster. Uh, maybe they are at, able to add five, but um, we don't obviously we don't know for sure because Greg Gard can't comment on, on you know the guys that he's actively recruiting. But uh, with the offers that they put out and the way that they've I guess positioned themselves right now, it would look like they want to take five in 2020. And last note, another quick hitter before we take it home, kind of a sober update. Wisconsin, its athletic communications department released a statement from the family of Howard Moore today. On Monday, just just about four o'clock Central's time, basically saying that more recently experiences. I'm reading this verbatim. Recently experienced a medical issue in his, at his Madison area home that required ambulatory transportation to a local hospital. Um, and then just going forward, it says that Howard had underwent cardiac arrest, and he's now going to be moving into a long-term care and rehabilitation facility to continue to focus on health and recovery. But on that note, he will not be coaching as an assistant at Wisconsin in the 2019, 2020 season for, and in assisting Greg guard and the rest of the team. Um, first off, we, we wish Howard the best, the recovery. I know I've only got a chance to speak with him a couple of times since I started working a little bit more on the, the basketball beat where I was previously at, but you can just tell he was genuine. He would answer any question you had, uh, but you know, beyond basketball, just, you could just tell the warmth there and uh, a genuine person uh, 
we continue to send our, our prayers and our positive thoughts to Howard, Howard and his family, especially his son, Jarrell. Um, but um, a rough situation for, obviously it's just perspective wise. Uh, you just hope Howard gets better uh, and recovers, you know, fully, you know, fully from this. Yeah. I think you said that well, and there's not a whole lot more that I can say on the topic um, other than, you know, you, you pray for him and, uh, you, you have a son in, in your thoughts and prayers as well. Um, it's, I think another thing that I've taken from this is just, you know, going on social media and all the people that have come forth and, you know, th- their message is all the same of what, uh, you know, an incredible and kind and genuine and honest and caring person that Howard was. And, you know, everyone that, you know, has kind of crossed his path is, has said the same thing. Um, obviously I don't, I, I don't know how Howard Moore very well. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have a personal relationship, but you know, I remember when I was a student, uh, at the daily Cardinal, um, I had, uh, they gave us well during a Wisconsin basketball practice, a press pass, uh, for the entire year of credentials. And, uh, I left the coal center with those still inside the coal center. And I, I ran back and I was banging on the doors and, uh, Howard Moore was still in the gym and he let me in. And I was kind of panicking and he said, Hey, don't worry, we'll, we'll figure this out. And I, I ran back to where I thought they were and I found him and he just kind of smiled. And, um, you know, that's, that's the story I have of, of him and the couple minutes that we got to spend together. But, you know, he was, he was great. He let me back in and he, he, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to say about that, but it was, it was my little time with him. And, um, we, I certainly wish him the best. And again, with his, with his son in this just incredibly difficult time and, um, you know, it's just, like I said, it's, it's amazing the amount of people that have come forth and, you know, shared their thoughts about him. And the message is always the same that, uh, you know, he was just so, you know, he is such a wonderful person and, uh, we're hoping for a full recovery from him. Absolutely. And, um, before we wrap up, what can we expect from badgerblitz.com coming up as fall camp kicks off? Yeah, I feel like we have, uh, previewed every inch of the 2019 roster uh (laughs) so i'm (laughs) I'm excited to be done with that i'm excited for something to actually start to happen and that's going to happen on wednesday um you know hopefully get a bunch of bunch of stuff out on wednesday uh some video uh hopefully we'll have a couple of photographers there and then you know for those open practices we want to be able to give you everything that we possibly can uh from from the stuff that we're able to see and then you know like we talked about earlier recruiting will be going on you know, they'll have guys visiting for uh, fall practices and, you know, we'll get reports on those guys as well. So um, it's going to be real football heavy coming up. And I'm just excited to uh, to actually see something going on rather than just writing about what could happen. Yes. So much for projections. It'd be nice to actually see what's going on. And um, like you kind of alluded to, there's going to be eight open practices for the media from what we know uh, for the media to watch. And I know I'll be there for all of them barring any unforeseen circumstance. Uh, and on top of that too, uh, we'll be there for the first 30 minutes of the first practice, which is on Thursday, August 1st. Uh, I will be there hopefully taking some photos, grabbing any type of injury list that Wisconsin has. Uh, and we'll try, obviously we'll have tons of, uh, I'm hoping to get, write a ton of features coming up in the coming days based off of some interviews during the local media day on Wednesday. So anyways, to wrap up this part of the show, folks, like us on Facebook, Wisconsin Badgers at our on badgerblitz.com. Also find 
Find John on Twitter at McNamara Rivals, me at Jay Coco. And of course, we're above 1,000 followers on the main Badger Blitz account. That's at Badger underscore Blitz. Appreciate you guys for following all of us there. On top of that, too, we'll have an Instagram page, and I'll be talking with John about uh, how we'll update that throughout the course of fall camp, too. So make sure you guys check out that page. On top of that, for this podcast, right, follow us on Apple podcasts or subscribe doesn't cost you a thing uh, our podcasts are free so make sure you guys subscribe there that means whatever avenue you use it's apple Podcasts, it's google Podcasts, it's spotify once we upload those guess what it goes instantly to your mobile device or ipad whatever you use your desktop it'll be there waiting for you to listen uh and then like john said we'll have a lot more coming up on fall camp this week uh, and going forward as college football kicks up once again, we'll be busy, but we're gonna have some fun doing it guys. Tune in later this week for another episode of the badger podcast, of course, powered by overtime media.